if you didn't achieve, like I did achieve many of the things I was sort of programmed to achieve at different parts of my life. Right. But like, suppose you didn't get to sleep around a lot when you were younger. Right. If you then try to do that when you are middle-aged or an old person, which a lot of people try to do, you will not get the validation or the happiness or the satisfaction you would have gotten. It is really important to understand declaring Mm. bankruptcy on stages of your life and moving to the next stage of your life. It is, I like that declaring bankruptcy on certain life stages. <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> right. And then you can find new ways to optimize. There are new mm-hmm. ways to optimize and still live a life of value. If you realize that you're middle aged or you're old and you never had kids and you never had a family, there are new ways you can fill the role of an older mentor in your community and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. For- Would you like to know more? Oh, God. Yeah. When like everyone was like, you can see every single pore that I have. Mm-hmm everything's horrible. Well, and I realized what we can do to fix my eyes is I just need to buy those like Naruto contact lenses or just like cinematic contact lenses, like just the just total black, you know, they're just completely black. So for anybody wondering what she was talking about there, my wife is wearing sunglasses right now because what, what, what's that thing that happened? You had like a bud vessel burst in your eye. Mm-hmm. Not because so I look gnarly vampire. and disgusting. I mean, more gnarly and disgusting than normal. I think you look beautiful, but <laughs> this brings us to our topic today. Hmm. My wife has been recently, you know, I was talking to her and she's like, I really do not like that. I feel like I'm beginning to look middle-aged you know i'm it's disgusted rough, with my body yeah uh, and i was it, it really sort of shocked me that this is still something that would be so concerning to her the analogy i posted to facebook that got a bunch of angry comments as people can guess and i think that they're really indicative of where we are as a society mm. so what i said is my wife has been getting worried about beginning to look middle-aged A woman pregnant with her fourth kid complaining about how her body looks to a devoted husband is like a fisherman with a pile of fish on the dock complaining about not having any worms. And of course, people were like, and you know, some of my trans friends were like, oh my gosh, you know, it really does matter that you're okay with your body. And here I am like, no, no, it doesn't matter that you're okay with your body. Fuck your body. Your body is a tool that is meant to be used. And, and if you use it well, this is a really interesting thing. And I think it's uh, an analogy I will use for my daughters for their bodies. (laughs) right the terrible (laughs) Uh, young women in our society it's like we as parents are giving them this really nice fish we caught like a tuna or something like that (laughs) we're like go to the market and get the best price you can for this fish and you know some women just come back with cum all over their tuna and then nobody wants to buy it you know nobody nobody wants a, a tuna that that people have had an orgy on but that's not the only way you can i, I feel like up. the metaphor is falling apart Hold if on, that's if what that, people the, are the poor way or the only way you can fuck up this little routine okay okay you go to the market and a lot of girls are coming back to their parents with a rotting tuna and saying nobody wanted to give me a price that i thought it was worth but look i still got my tuna the problem is, is that the tuna rots if you don't sell it. It yeah. is increasing in value with every second you haven't sold it. And this is the tragedy. Like, 
men go out there and they're all like men have it so hard in our society and i'm not gonna lie about all the unfairnesses of being a man but you're not dealing with this same ticking clock that women are dealing with yeah, both, yeah like it's, and it's not it's not just appearance it's it's biology too like if one does want to have children so even if yeah. one is totally like yeah appearance should be nothing there's still this other functional limiting factor which sucks yeah yeah and it creates this this environment where we tell girls, protect the tuna, protect the tuna, protect the tuna, to the point where they forget <laughs> the point was that the tuna was supposed to set them up for the next stage of life. They sell the tuna, then they open the fish store or whatever it is they're doing next, right? The tuna wasn't the point. They're just supposed to protect the tuna on the way to the market. Sorry, you hate this analogy become so a, much. Yeah, because everyone's goal is to become a fishmonger. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I hear you though. Yeah, and I, I, rotting fish is definitely a a strong analogy when it comes to yeah i thought it had a certain well and i also like the worm analogy like being bemoaning that you don't have the worm when you have the greater prize that the worm was meant to catch and so a lot of people are like well my white life like my life as a woman is not about having kids right mm-hmm. i'll come to me with this i'll say so therefore well, therefore, what? You're going to get old no matter what you do, right? And you do have certain advantages within many environments, whether it's your workplace or whether it's your, you know, any, any anything, even, even just like generically socially often if you're an attractive woman. Now, there are downsides to it. It actually can hurt you in female environments and women will do things to hurt attractive women more. This has like been shown in a bunch of studies. But generally, you have an arbitrage opportunity. So then... As you age, regardless of whether or not you've sort of dedicated your life to the intergenerational game of building a family or anything else, you can ask yourself, did I make use of this asset while it was available to me? Mm-hmm. And if you did, then great. Okay, you you did something that I think was pointless, but at least you did it well. You know, at least you actually utilized the asset while you had access to it. But what is completely feckless is not utilizing the asset at all in spending your entire life in veneration of a decaying asset. And how does this happen in a secular society? Why in our secular world do we end up venerating these decaying assets? Okay, okay, okay. So let's let's move to this fishmonger world, right? Okay. This is this is a world then where on every social media platform, it is just people holding their freshly caught, shining, glittering, untouched tuna fish. And that's what people are rewarded for. And there are no, there's no glorification of being a fishmonger. There's no glorification of, of all of that part of life. And so people will do everything they can to try to look like they've just caught a fresh tuna. And some people will take their tuna and rather than sell it, they will have it turned into taxidermy and they'll walk around with their taxidermy tuna and hope that people don't realize that it's not there. And I can't blame them, right? Because, you know, that that's that's what society rewards. And some people will look at the taxidermy tuna and be like, wow, look at them. You know, like they'll have their, you know, they'll post their taxidermy tuna on social media and people will be like, I don't know, they seem 
it's, I don't know. It doesn't look quite right, you know, and, but, you know, but they still try, you know, and they still get attention. I, I love this taxidermy tuna. Cause now I'm imagining these horrified taxidermy tunas with like the fake eyes and everything. Well, it's, it's not. And that's, that's what it looks like when you try to look like a 22 year old woman and you're 55 or you're 38 or whatever, if you're, you're 32 really. But, the, but then, you know, you're on the other side of this, which is where I'm sitting. I'm sitting at the fishmonger desk. All right. I don't have any tuna. And I'm looking out and I'm watching, you know, all these people walk by with their giant tuna glittering in the sun. And I'm like, well, mm, yeah, don't have don't have any tuna. I don't. Well, so this is the world. And I I, I like how you've gone deeper with this crazy analogy because I well, want to go deeper. Too, you chose a weird freaking analogy. So I'm going to just make you. Okay, so we live in fishmonger world, right? Okay, yeah. When you go on an online environment, when you go in, in, in secular media, you are in the fishmonger world. It's not just the people mm -hmm. who are trying to sell tuna that are showing it off. It's the people who just bought tuna that are showing it off. Yes. It's, oh, look at this fresh tuna I just bought with my life mm -hmm. savings. Mm-hmm flapping around the tuna, taking pictures of the tuna, and then they begin to forget the purpose of the tuna marketplace. Yeah, which the is to freaking have a meal. Was to buy and sell the tuna, right? Yeah. Well, and to um, eat tuna, presumably. You know, it's and, a consumable and keep in mind, We're not saying buying and selling women's bodies. Yeah, it's to eventually eat the tuna, right? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, what we, what we, <laughs> What we are saying is in the same way that you could have a marketplace, like a, a marketplace for employees. Like there are human marketplaces all the time in our society. There's nothing mm -hmm. vulgar about a, a human marketplace. What's interesting about the marriage marketplace is that you are trying to sell yourself a, a tuna for an equivalent, let's say something else, puppy or something, right? You are, you are trying to trade it for a specific other thing, which is a male of equivalent value to you. Well, and, and more importantly, what, what you're trying to explain, too, is that, like, the human body is meant to be used. You know, the human body is, is meant for, you know, doing different things at different phases of life. And we are sometimes more strong and sometimes more wise and sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, various things and in, in, in trying to do the same thing with that body all the time. But basically, using your body is a good thing. You know, if you are aging because you are having kids and raising them and whatnot, that's not something to be ashamed of. That means you're actually using your body for what it's meant for, right? Yes. And I would say that we live in this, like the world around us. Once you are successful in the fishmonger game, once you have sold your fish and then gone home with the person you sold it to, to eat it together, right? Like This is a weird world where someone buys your tuna world, and then you're like the analogy, with okay? them for the rest of your um, life. Then you start a fish shop together. You're then no longer flogging fish. You no longer have the motivation to be showing how great your fish is. You no longer have the motivation to be showing how great uh, a fish you just bought is. So you are no longer signaling into the world. So then if you look out your window, everyone is still shouting about fish, right? Because they're all desperately trying to sell theirs. And it can create a world, and this is the core problem that we're dealing with, where how shiny a fish you just bought or how shiny a fish you just ha you have is a status symbol, right? And you begin to think, oh, this is how status is judged in society. Because when I go and I buy a movie, right, or when I look at ads, I'm going to see big, shiny fish. And the reason why these fish are big and shiny on ads and in movies and everything like that is me as a guy, you know, this is seen 
throughout surveys on guys, most guys prefer a woman who's 23. Like if you look, it's really funny. Women generally prefer a guy who's like a couple of years older than them and then about their age and a little bit younger than them if they get older. Men, if you look, it's like always 23. No matter how old they are, 23 <laughs> is the age that they it's want. It's so most. simple, right? It's so comforting. Uh, well, I, well, it's simple, but what it means is, 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 is that's because that's where for a guy, you're going to have the largest biological window to have as many kids as possible. Like if you died in my biology and I was like master of a tribe or something like that, and I could choose any woman I wanted to, to be my next wife, I would be evolutionarily rewarded for choosing a woman near the beginning of her reproductive window Obviously. instead of a woman around my age. Right. Yeah. So my body is programmed to spend a little extra time staring at those and, and, and stuff like that. And so when people in the secular world, whether it's in movies or in ads or anything like that, utilize these they can very easily draw people's eyes much more than they can with women that have moved on to this next stage of their life that have kids that are being a good wife, et cetera. And when I, the reason I keep saying secular world, people might be like, what do you mean secular world versus religious world? Because some religions to come to this after a while, but only the new, like really soft iterations. The historic religions, which are usually like a religious and cultural tradition, typically have prohibitions against this and typically venerate women for entering the motherhood phase of their life. Mm -hmm. Why do they do this and the secular world doesn't? Is because the secular world doesn't have any intergenerational reward mechanism, rewarding and punishing iterations of it. Uh, I mean, it does now. They, they have very low fertility rates and it's going to disappear soon. But I mean, like in a historic context, whereas as most religious cultural things, the ones overly venerated youth that didn't venerate mothers, women wouldn't want to become mothers at the same rates as other cultural traditions around them. And therefore they were outcompeted and eventually stamped out. So it's not like a moral reason why the religious cultural traditions uh, venerate mothers and, and venerate this, this transition, but they do do it and it is useful. And it's something that I really worry about where you even i mean you are a sane woman and i i, I think a totally logical woman well and i'm and also I, I one thing that's important to note too is i was never someone whose attribute was beauty right so like i never i think this is uniquely hard for people who grew up being the beautiful one and who grew up having that as a currency and then they lose it so like this is not even something that i'm experiencing is severely because I never felt like I was the pretty one and I never was the pretty one. Oh, you, you always wanted to be old too. And I always wanted to be old. I always like my real age is 63 and that's when I will ultimately feel comfortable with myself, maybe 62. But yeah, so like, I, I think it's even harder, but even me. So even though I don't care about this shit, even though I really look forward to being older and, and looking older, and even though I never was celebrated for looks or youth or beauty in the first place, I still regret all the little signs of aging that I see. And that's really crazy to me. So I wonder how much of this do you think is a biological thing? Like you just want to hide this so you can, I don't know. Oh yeah. So, so like some kind of instinct is come is kicking in because my body is saying, whoa, lady, if you don't look youthful, your tribe is way more likely to kick you out if times get lean, right? Yeah. So how much do you think is that versus mm. how much do you think is sort of social conditioning and brainwashing? That's a good, I mean, I, I, gosh, it, it just never occurred to me before you brought it up that this might be a separate evolutionary thing, but. Oh, oh final, final option. Yeah. Worth, how much do you think is some genuine doubt that I will continue to find you attractive and desirable? Like, like real logical doubt. Oh, 
I, I think it's, I, I never thought about the evolutionary aspect of it, but I'm assuming that that has to be something at play here. Because if I genuinely look forward to looking older, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the look that I like. And I never felt beautiful, like beautiful and youthful in the first place. Then it has to be something more than that. So like, it's so tempting to just blame society to be like, well, despite all this, everything I see on Instagram is beautiful people and blah, blah, blah. But in the end, maybe you're right. And so maybe there's like 80%, I would say 80% um, evolutionary and then 20% social and then 0% concern about you. Because if we have, you know, three, almost four kids together, like we're pretty committed, we're pretty happy with each other. And also we have a relationship in which, frankly, if you found me unattractive and gross, like you would be super welcome to look for fun elsewhere, right? Like, so in the end, like we have solutions for this that don't even threaten the relationship. So that's yeah. not a threat to me, though it is, you know, disappointing. But it's not something that drives my action. So this is interesting. Uh, with it being partially a biological instinct, that means we'll have to work extra hard to create an environment that helps our daughters fight this in themselves. This shame well, of aging. doesn't only become an issue when people are older. Mm. But they'll need to, I mean, I don't want my daughters to be racked with mental guilt. Like I think that some religious cultures do a good job of venerating mothers yeah. so much that it overrides the mm. biological right. sort of shame of aging. Right. Because if, if one is constantly reassured <laughs> that like, this is a good thing, this is a good thing, this is a good thing, then you think that there's less risk. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I really have to treat my wife well, I suppose, which is one of these reasons why these fertility strategies that some, you know, pronatalists pursue, which I think do not venerate the women who are having their children, are going to be unsuccessful. There, There is one iteration of them which can be successful, which is the men who just use a surrogate and then raise the kid entirely. And right. I, I know some men who do this and whatever, right? Like that can work. But then there's others where they'll have a number of, of serial partners and that that can, I think, cause daughters to be less interested and then sons to do something that, that pushes their daughters out of the cultural group, which isn't a, a great thing. Well, yeah, I mean, that kind of culture basically says, like, I am not going to, to women, it says I'm not going to be invested in as a long-term asset. I'm going to be dropped as soon as I age. So either I'm not allowed to look like I'm aging or... I shouldn't bother investing in men at all. And what we were just looking at some other unrelated to this data that really demonstrated even more so the extent to which women are really the bottlenecks on how many kids a family has. Mm-hmm. That it's it's more like the upbringing and exposure that young women get throughout their lives that influences how many kids they have. Whereas like men, their experiences, it doesn't really matter. I think it really comes down to who they marry. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've even seen this. Well, I think the vanity of women is especially important. I know a number of families where the man went into the relationship planning to have like five kids. Mm -hmm. The woman got to like kid number three and said, I'm stopping now. And that's the most horrifying thing I can imagine. And and, and what you're, yeah, also like these are marriages where the women came in saying, yeah, I also want five kids. Yeah, and then they're like, it's hard. Yeah, so this is not one in which the women hadn't signed up for that to begin with, which also happens, right? There are many marriages where like there's 
there are mismatched expectations and because couples didn't communicate, that's a problem. But these are ones in which literally people entered the marriage of like, I'm going to have seven, I'm going to have five. And then, yeah, no, but like you shouldn't be shaming somebody for focusing on their body and feeling comfortable with their mm. body, right? And feeling mm -hmm. happy with their body. Mm -hmm. And this just really got to me because we absolutely should be shaming that. I mean, secular society doesn't shame that because the the urban monoculture, right? It tells people do whatever you want, whenever you want, and be affirmed whoever you want to be. And that's how mm -hmm. it attracts people. So, of course, mm -hmm. within its set of cultural values, it's not going to tell people that they should ever really feel bad about any decision they make about themselves or about any, you know, way they want to perceive themselves. However, it's doing really bad fertility rate wise. And it's doing really bad if you look at rates of mental health issues like horrible mental health issues that do not exist in the more conservative cultures. You know, there's the famous statistic of what would, what is it? Progressive white women under the age of 30, like over half of them have a serious mental health issue. Yeah. This is not great. Like this is not a culture that is functioning. And what I would ask is, is I, I do not think there is a logical basis for your body not being something that you were meant to spend. By that, what I mean is God gifted you your body to play a part in this intergenerational cycle, right? Like, be fruitful and multiply, right? Like that was a commandment if you're taking this from a religious perspective and very few religions due to cultural evolution are going to say that that is not the, the purpose of, of one's body. But then evolution, suppose you're being totally secular about this. Well, evolution also wants you to have the maximum number of surviving offspring. And it gave you all of the signals to show your youth to signal to potential partners with the goal of having kids, eating the fish, right? It's not about just showing people the fish, but this is so interesting when I think about the fish analogy in this context, because it reminds me of the way we now relate to food as a society, where there's so many stores, you know, and especially in cultures that are deeper in the social media abyss that are own, like Japan or Korea or stuff like that, where you can go and like the restaurants are really optimized around being able to take pictures and post them to social media. Uh, right. Than, well, even in the United States, totally in the United yeah, there's States. Some, there's some restaurants that do this more than the food itself, yeah. right? More than the experience of eating. And this is because our society has become warped like this. You know, a lot of young people, they will spend more time bragging or trying to put into the world, you know, how great they are at sex or whatever than actually being good at, and getting partners and everything like that, right? We see this perversion throughout a society in which our value is to some extent signaled to others and thus impart to ourselves through what we can communicate within environments in which there is no validation happening. Mm. Uh, by that, what I mean is historically, it was harder to do this. You know, you could like uh, say, oh, look at this lovely snack I'm having, but other people could go to the same restaurant and be like, that place is gross, right? But in an online environment, it's much harder to do that. And so people begin to genuinely believe the signal itself is what is worth living their life for. So mm -hmm. that's that's one area of corruption. But then the other area of corruption comes from being too deep within the urban monoculture and actually believing what it tells you, that if you live a life doing whatever makes you happy and, and being validated for whoever you desire to be and however you desire to perceive yourself, that if you do that, you will achieve mental health and happiness. Even I think if you take like an objective secular perspective and you're just looking at the psychological research, you would immediately be like, 
oh, this is like a perfect way to like psychologically fuck someone up. Telling them just chase whatever makes you happy in the moment all the time and be affirmed for however you want to see yourself. Well, but aren't you also saying that you would encourage cultures that make people feel affirmed for not looking like they're 23 years old when they're no longer 23 years old? Yeah. I mean, I so, think I mean, it's okay to feel good about how you look. And I mean, part of me, when I look at comments like that, I think, well, yeah, but it's going to be a lot easier to feel good about how you look when you're not trying to pull something off that you can't pull off. One thing I wanted to ask you, though, is do you feel any like qualms or concerns about aging? I mean, you look better every day. I, I will be clear about that. It's deeply unfair. Well, However, I, I you are getting more gray hairs. You know, there, there, there are signs of this aging. This is a really interesting thing because as how I relate to nostalgia, I'll often think mm -hmm. about things I used to do, you know, back in the day when I used to sleep around a lot or, you know, the little games I played back then. I don't think about sleeping with women. Like when mm -hmm. I look back and I am nostalgic about things I did in the past, it is not the sex I'm nostalgic about. It's the courting mm -hmm. process. <laughs> But that date. was also really hard and stressful. So what's well, going on there? It was hard and stressful in a fun way. You would go on a date and you wouldn't know how things were going. And there was, hmm. and and I, I reflect on this, like when I'm watching anime where like young love is courting and everything like that. But okay. I look at this through the lens and was a complete comfort was the fact that that was part of a previous stage of my life. And that oh, was so just that it's over. Like the fact that it's over is what makes you feel nostalgic. Yeah, uh, to put it another way, it would be silly to be nostalgic about, you know, trying to pierce the egg when I was a sperm, right? Or the egg being pierced when I was an egg, right? Like, yeah. I was basically a completely different type of biological entity back then. Yeah. My entire optimization function, the way my, the things that made me happy were different, the stage of my life was different, everything was different. And I can take solace in the things I did get to experience during those stages of life and the things I didn't get to experience. There were types of rebellion that I decided not to indulge in because I thought they were too risky to my long-term goals. Mm -hmm. And I can see people in movie engage in those types of rebellion, whether it's tattoos or drugs or whatever. And I mean, I did do, I guess, a lot of drugs, but not specific drugs that were addictive. So I never really indulged in that sort of stuff and in that culture in a way where I can go back to that. Like as an adult, if I went and tried that stuff, it just wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be that experience of, of genuinely doing this in an experimental time of my life. Hmm. Um, and I think that nostalgia for previous life states can be a, a, a positive emotion when you understand that those are things that you'll never get to experience again. And it can be a negative emotion when you try to recreate them. Well, I, I think, think it's also a problem when, when you actually really did enjoy that thing and you couldn't do it anymore. Like, let's say that you really enjoyed something really, really super athletic and then you aged and you couldn't do it anymore because literally your body couldn't take that kind of wear and tear. Although here's the yeah, thing is I don't feel that's, that 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 kind of nostalgia, regret, whatever, is not what I feel as I age. Because first off, like if I actually were super crazy attractive and if people gave me a lot of attention for that, I would feel one, deeply uncomfortable because I don't want the attention. And two, like I would also very much not respect the people who were attracted to me because if someone just likes me because I'm pretty, that's gross. Like I just, I would find that 
pretty aversive and it would make me very deeply uncomfortable. Like I was just listening to someone talking about host clubs in Japan where you have either a male or female, like professional essentially fawning over you and being like, oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you're so smart. And I was thinking, oh my God, I would like pay money to not do that. So it's also not that I regret not being able to have that experience. So there is really something different going on with women. And what if, do you want to be affirmed for? For achieving things, for, for getting stuff done. Like remember when, when, I, when I first sort of taught you how to compliment me in a way that would make me really happy, it was never to say something like, oh, you're pretty or you're so smart. So never to be like, oh, you are so attribute, mm. but rather, oh, X thing that you did was so clever. Or I see you worked really hard on that and it's amazing how this is paying off, that kind of thing. So like compliment actions and moments rather than apparent fundamental attributes. But I do yeah. think that if we were to get to the bottom of like, let's just solving societal problems with women not being comfortable with aging, I don't even think it's about like raining praise on them for being beautiful and wonderful in whatever life stage they are, like affirming them in their current body position, because I don't even think that's it. And I don't really know. Well, okay. So here's what I think it is. Okay. You were talking about how, well, you've got to affirm women for different life stages and optimizing them. Yeah. When, when I was younger, there were multiple optimizations I, I looked for in a woman, whether it's like a, the perfect goth woman or nerd woman or like artsy chic. Like there are different ways that women can optimize even within that useful state to look yeah. breedable, I guess you could say. What's the word these days? Some must have been breedable, right? Like what I was interested in. And I think that there are optimization functions that are valid within our society as a person ages. I think that's what we're seeing with cottage core, right? Like cottage core is thirst trap, but not thirsting over a woman's body, but over the environment she has created around her. Oh. So cottage core is thirst trap Martha Stewart. It yeah. is an environment where a woman has is cultivated you know, of a, a house and everything like that, or a family. And then yeah. I'd also say there's like yeah. prep core, right? Which prep might core. be closer to, but we're like a cross between cottage core and prep core, right? Where you have these like Christmas photos and stuff like that, where <laughs> when you share these, I mean, if people go to your Instagram account, what's the handles? Simone H. Collins? Yeah, I haven't posted there recently. I need to. Well, I mean, it's basically a thirst trap account, but it's a thirst trap account for, for like family loving your husband and having kids. <laughs> What were you saying, Simone? For wholesomeness, right? Yeah. And and it's not going to get as many likes because, you know, you're not appealing to the same audience. But I do think that you are signaling an ideal that you have achieved at this stage of your life that one day you are going to have to let go as well. You know, one day it will be grandmother core. And I'm sure people will come up with like granny core and stuff like that in the future. One really funny thing is I was, I've been watching Adventure Time with my kids and there's this one character on it. I mean, I've seen it before, but I never contextualize this. Tree Trunks, who's supposed oh, to be trunks. like this old sweet lady, but who's also like always talking about her former, like basically sexual escapades and yeah. stuff like that. My adventurous instincts tell me to seduce that tentacle critter with my womanly charms and elephant prowess. What are you doing here? tree trunks i'm helping you by tempting this guy with my body it's not a guy tree trunks it's a snake armed ruby brain beast even brain beasts get lonely fans jake you were supposed to watch her she got past me man i tried to stop her but she overpowered me <laughs> i did it i helped i'm the sexiest adventurer in the world mr fine duty yes captain tree trunks 
Mr. Fine Duty, pick up that mop, you bug. Captain Tree Trunks, we're approaching a ship off the port bow. Good. Drowned all but the tightest man. Uh, I'm Wyatt, your new secretary. These flowers are from Robot Body Mo. Uh, again? Throw those in the trash. I'm sorry I didn't trust you. I just know you've had a lot of adventures in the past, and things are kind of boring now. It's true. I sometimes miss those wild times, but back then I couldn't even tell the difference between a good adventure and a bad one. I was just a leaf in the wind, blown about by my whims, but now I'm on solid ground. And that's yeah. associated with old age. And I suspect our kids will grow up associating that with old age because so much of the future generations, I think, are going to move away from that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And only will this, like, broken older generation be these 80-year-olds talking about all the sex they used to have. Whereas Gen Z today, I think, is just looking for a wholesome relationship, a lot of them. At least the ones that I see that look like they're going to have kids. Uh, a final thing I note when I'm talking about life stages and, like, just being able to recognize and appreciate that I cannot relive those things and I just need to be happy for the game I was playing when I was playing it. I'd almost argue it's like a post game where, like, the game is switching the score that is judging you on. Yeah. Is that if you didn't achieve, like, I did achieve many of the things I was sort of programmed to achieve at different parts of my life right but like suppose you didn't get to sleep around a lot when you were younger right if you then try to do that when you are middle-aged or an old person which a lot of people try to do you will not get the validation or the happiness or the satisfaction you would have gotten it is really important to understand declaring mm. bankruptcy on stages of your life and moving to the next stage of your life it is. I like that. Declaring bankruptcy on certain life stages. <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> right. And then you can find new ways to optimize. There are new mm -hmm. ways to optimize and still live a life of value. If you realize that you're middle-aged or you're old and you never had kids and you never had a family, there are new ways you can fulfill the role of an older mentor in your community and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Now, it's important that you understand, and this is especially important with the older mentor role, is that your goal is to actually be useful within your community and not masturbate the feeling of being an older mentor, which some people, I remember when I was young, I'd get these people who would like try to like forcefully mentor me. But by that, what I mean is like give me advice that like clearly had, they, they hadn't thought about whether that advice was still useful in the world or how to deliver it to a young person or how to help the young person in their goals, just sort of masturbating this self image as an older mentor. So it's important within any of these life stages. It's same with being a parent like you could do the wholesome preppy prep core right where you are using your children to feel like you are the perfect parent and so you are focused on how they appear in pictures how they appear in etc right like, like how you're thought of by your community rather than remembering that this is just as hollow as walking around with that rotting fish or taxidermying that fish the point of the fish is to be eaten the point of being a parent is to give your kids a good childhood and raise them to be emotionally healthy and efficacious adults it is not to look like a good parent uh, the purpose of being a mentor is not to think of yourself as a mentor or by seeing by your community as a mentor. It's to help young people, right? 
always remember that there is the taxidermy iteration of life and there is the actual iteration of life, the actual being an efficacious member of your community. And your biology will reward you for the true version and it will punish you for the incorrect version. What I mean mm. is you may be venerated by your community. You may be liked by a lot of people on TikTok or whatever, but the happiness you gain from that will always be hollow and evanescent and eat at your soul. You know, a soul burns on a bonfire of vanity. And that is true. I think another thing too, in terms of like giving, encouraging our family, kids, daughters, especially to have healthy views about this is I think the way that mm, we'll say like oh, tropes of warriors in the past talked about battle scars is probably a really good way to look at things like you don't see warriors in a lot of like, and again, these are all just character tropes. This isn't like a sample of real people that I know about, but you don't see them complaining about like, Oh, you know, like my face is all scarred or like mm, my like pinky finger is gone. You know, it's like, Oh, I lost this on this thing. You know, like it shows signs of achievement. And maybe if we instead encourage or contextualize, I shouldn't say encourage. If we actually contextualize, signs of aging as signs of a life lived properly and well, and also values well aligned, like not investing money in plastic surgery when you could invest in your children's education or something like that, that that, that being seen as something to be proud of the same way that a warrior shows off his battle scars. Yeah. Well, and, and I can't imagine, I mean, imagine being the type of person who invests in plastic surgery rather than your children's education. A lot of people do. When you consider how much these procedures cost there are many 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 parents who are you know implicitly yeah. because they're not putting that money towards something else investing in their looks over that and often it doesn't look good in the end often it gets botched in the end and they have to take fillers and get dissolved get them dissolved Taxi to get rid of them taxidermy looks like taxidermy right <laughs> you, you you don't have your actual dog you know your your that, uh, it reminds me of that Dumb and Dumber scene. You sold my dead bird to a blind kid? Lloyd, the, that, you, what are you? Petey didn't even have a head. Harry, I took care of it. Pretty bird. Yeah, can you say pretty bird? Pretty bird. Yes, pretty bird. Pretty bird. Tomorrow on A Current Affair, inside the home of the Menendez brothers attorney. And next, we'll be back in a minute with the heartbreaking story of the blind Rhode Island boy who was duped into buying a dead parakeet. I just thought he was real cool. That's not a bird, right? Okay. That is the weird thing about plastic surgery is like, there are some plastic surgery looks that I now associate with age because mm. I only like old people use it. And only old people have that kind of facial structure, like the puffy cheeks, the puffy lips. Like I associate it with a sign of of, of middle age or being elderly, which well, is super interesting. You know what I love is when we get plastic surgery that makes you look better at being your age. Like when you're 60, <laughs> if you don't look like the perfect granny, you're like, no, 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 no. I want. I don't want to look younger. I want to look like a cooler Perfect. Yeah, like I, I will I will probably bleach my hair to make it all white instead of just having gray hair. Perfect example of the yeah. correct way to alter yeah. your appearance <laughs> to lean age. into it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I can't wait for my white hair. God, my family white has gonna this so good. great genetic trait where we get pure white hair at a pretty young age. I'm so jealous. Uh, so you've jealous. seen it, and our hair doesn't, like, we don't decrease the amount of hair we have. I'll just yeah, it have... stays thick and full, and it just gets gorgeous and white, and I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. It's not fair. Hey, I, I'm looking forward to you being a granny because I know you're going to be the sassiest motherfucking granny ever, and I love it. I am going to love it. Maybe that's I, I this awkward transition. Today. I love who you were oh. when I met you, and I love who you're going to be when you're an 80-year-old woman. And don't you forget that. I'm never going to say like, oh, Simone, I'm so worried about these changes that are happening to your body because of fourth kid. That, you oh, know, God. You're producing extra blood, and you got this blood vessel popping. You're like, no. I was just listening about some Korean divorce in which the husband would get sex workers who looked like the younger version of the wife and oh man like that hurts you know like <laughs> i don't even know if that hurts that's kind of sweet i don't know i don't know it's I, he hmm. didn't leave the wife and he still liked the idea of banging a younger version of her oh. he probably and this is the thing that you're forgetting he probably was imagining the people he was banging other than his wife were his wife yeah i mean yeah i guess that's sweeter than going for a completely different look but still i <laughs> i understand also you got to keep in mind that aging happens differently for different ethnicities with white people it's more of a gradual change as they get older whereas with asian people they often undergo especially asian women sort of sudden transformations between life stages which i think is a blessing because you know what <laughs> life stage you're at are you at asian granny stage or are you at asian vixen stage um yeah. Yeah. And like Vixen stage somehow lasts forever. And then suddenly oh, it lasts evolves. forever. And then immediately you transform into like a short granny. Yeah. I don't, I, I really wonder what's going on with that phenomenon of like, you really don't see this other transition. You don't see middle age. It's, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't Whatever. know. I'm fine with it. But, <laughs> but, but, but it, it, I, I mean, accept and it might make it easier for them to accept when they're granny. Yeah. To just be like, oh yeah. Cause yeah, I think it's that, it's that, that weird interstitial period where you don't really, you, you can't pull off any look. You can't pull off old and you can't pull off young. So what are you anymore? Well, I think a core thing that you can do is look forward to who you're going to be next. Look forward to being the old lady, which you do. Yeah, But I you do. just never look forward to being the mom. And because of that, you're sort of struggling with the stage transition because you didn't know it was one of the stages to look forward to. Well, and I only ever knew my mom in her middle age. Like she died before she could get old and I never knew her when she was super young. So I only ever knew her hating her body because she hated her middle-aged body just like I do. And yeah, so maybe I just like see this as like some permanent purgatory, but it will end. It will end. And then I'll, and then I'll get old and wrinkly and then I'll be so happy. <laughs> It'll be great. I love well, you so much. Simone. I love you too, Malcolm.